break the chains Break the cycle Bringing to you Shadi's World Short Story Podcasts. We want to tell you a story. Listen and enjoy stories from African writers. We want to inform, inspire, and educate to you. We will communicate. Told stories of Africa. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first edition of. Well, actually, not the very first because we've done some podcasts before, but this is the first edition of the next versions of Shadi's World Short Story Podcast. And with me in the studio is the lovely, amazing, talented Chibundu Onuzo. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, seven out of ten. What? <laughs> <laughs> I would say ten out of ten. Hello. Anyway, um, thank you for being here and for um, you'll be reading your story later on. Can you tell us a little bit about going home? Well, I was commissioned to write a story um, in December and it had to be Christmas themed. And then I was racking my brain over what to write. I was thinking of maybe writing a story about like a young Nigerian girl in London and she hears the song do they know it's Christmas time for the first time and thinking okay so because we don't have snow in Africa then we don't know it's Christmas time it's like you know, the lyrics of the song are, and there won't be snow in Africa yeah, this yeah. Christmas and it's like we're not asking for snow but you know what about that when mm. I went back to Nigeria for the first time I was one of those children that was like where's the snow it can't be Christmas <laughs> you know it was so hot I'm okay, like well, it, you know yeah I guess they sang it for you Shadi exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, and then this kind of, I guess the story instead came to me or more, more vividly mm. was this story of a man who has a Caucasian wife and, you know, three mixed race children and they haven't been back home before. Yeah. None of his children have been back to Nigeria. And I think um, what sparked the story was I had a cab driver who took me to the airport in November. And that was the story. And I guess in the back of my mind, I then began to wonder. And so, yeah, that was the impetus. Cool. It's it's a lovely story. And one of the things that I also liked about it, because even in Nigeria, mm. a lot of people who live in the cities go home. That, that you know, yes, it, it, yes, it's, yes. it's one of those things that you live in the city, you go home to your village, mm. wherever that might be. And I, I could definitely identify with that. But we're here talking about writers and African writing. Do you have a favorite writer or a story that you'd like to share with our audience? Do I have I should a... say listener, actually, not audience, because it's just <laughs> you and me in the studio. <laughs> this is true. Um, and the sound guy. Yeah, and the sound guy. <laughs> um, but um, this year, a book I really, really enjoyed um, was by a... I think he's from Congo, Brazzaville, or he might be from Congo, one of the two. His name is Alan Mabonku, and he's he obviously writes in French. It was a translation I read, and I read it and I thought, you know, we're missing... I met him at a literary festival, and I thought, we're missing so much of 
literature that's not written in English. Yes. Um, there was um, a Beninois, um writer there as well, and he was saying, you know, Nigeria and Benin, you know, they share a border. And yes, I can count the number of Nigerian writers I've read because obviously you're writing English, I'm writing in French. Meanwhile, in Benin, for example, they speak Yoruba. And he's like, we actually share languages, but wow. because we're writing in English and yeah. you're, we're writing in French and you're writing in English, there's no, yeah. you know, can be no cross-cultural, I guess. Cool. And the book is called? Ah, of course. <laughs> what kind of plug is this? The book is called Tomorrow I Will Be 20. Tomorrow I Will Be 20. What's yes. it about? It's basically just this child just observing life and, you know, in, I think, Congo, Brazzaville. Um, and just his observations about his family. His mother is a second wife. And it's just, it's it's the, it's the typical kind of growing up story. I guess a Huckleberry yeah. Finn or, yeah, a, yeah. or a Tom Sawyer. But it's it's so funny. And his observations, kind of how children observe political yeah. things or how children, is yeah. that, it's, it's been done before, but I haven't seen it done that way that way in african literature so. okay well you heard it here first go out buy the book yes um another question that i'd like to i i i always like to ask this question because as a writer when you're in that world you you're god and you can create and mm. you can change people's lives With a small g <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so if you had um a superpower mm-hmm. and you wrote a story that would come true the next day what it what in the world would you change one day there was a girl called chibundu onuzo <laughs> she went to sleep one night and woke up the next morning with 50 million dollars in her account the end <laughs> that's all and the money did not get there illegally so efcc did not look for her and you know she just enjoyed life from then on okay so that's what all. would you what would you buy with 50 million i know that's for part two <laughs> mm. grab your copy because you know by the time you've bought the car you've bought the holidays and you've bought the yacht or uh-uh. the, the jet but you know now Shadi, i got your back i will sponsor <laughs> Shadi's world podcast okay there you go so you guys you heard it she's gonna write a story she's gonna get 50 million and she's gonna sponsor the next set of Shadi's world short story podcast uh, you heard it all here cool um okay what sort of nugget of advice would you have for anyone who wants to take on writing as a career or a profession? Stop asking people for advice. <laughs> <laughs> Just go out and do it, right? But I, you always get asked that question though, don't you? What yeah. should I do? I always say things like, you know, um, drink a lot of water, eat a lot of fruits. Um, in fact, I don't know if I borrowed this answer from someone I heard say it, but then it's like, writers, you know, you have to be healthy. I think you have to be healthy in your mental space. You yeah. have to be healthy, you know, physically. I know um, there's one writer. Um, oh, hey, yeah, what's this man's name now? I don't know. What Japanese author. Oh, so um, famous. Kai- Not Kazuo Ishiguro. Okay. I think it's Haruki Murakami. Okay. He, um, he wrote a book called What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. What I write about, something like that. And he was saying the reason why he started running marathons was because he was sitting down at his desk all day and getting fat. And he was like, I'm going to be, he wants it. I'm a full-time writer. I'm going, I'm only going to get fatter. So, yeah. So thank you so much for being here, Chibundu. And it's a pleasure to have you. And hopefully you'll contribute another story to Shadi's World Short Story podcast. So I'm holding you to that. 
I'm sponsoring you. I even talking about contribution theory. <laughs> How many things we shall do? This is Chibundu Onuzo reading Going Home, first published online by Stylist. Going Home He will take his children to Nigeria for Christmas this year. It will be their first time as a family. His wife Agatha has been once before. Her memories are of insect bites and bucket baths, her skin braised from the sun her stomach turned by a bout of food poisoning. She had not liked his relatives, felt them prying and tactless, bursting into tears once when his aunt poked at her flat, childless stomach. We have children now. It doesn't matter. They wanted you to marry a good Nigerian girl. You know it. He wished she wouldn't cry so much. His mother had only shed tears at funerals, wailing loudly when the coffin was lowered into the ground and then rushing back to the kitchen to dish out food. There was something unseemly in an adult breaking down over the memory of a ten-year-old slight. It's not about you. I've told you. I've spoken to my mum and she wants to see her grandchildren before she dies. I can't deny her that. Agatha was resigned now to going, resigned with a vengeance. She had taken the boys for their second round of vaccinations that day. They had come back sullen, holding their arms stiffly, rebellion on their faces. You're making them not want to go. Don't be silly, Nam. I'm making sure they come back alive. We'll all have to start taking anti-malarials tomorrow. No. No what? I checked online. Over 300,000 people died from malaria in Nigeria last year. Stop it. And of course, there are the things you can't medicate against, like kidnapping. Stop it, Agatha. Gov.uk advises against all but essential travel, but since you're bent on going, it's not essential for my mother to see her grandsons. I didn't say that, Nam. Namdi. My name is Namdi. She could never say the double N of his name, her tongue stuttering over the letters, her attempt comical in the early days of their courtship. I want to come with you, his oldest, Tobinna, said, following him to the door. No. You need to recover, because of the injection. What did you take? Yellow fever and cholera and typhoid and some I can't remember. I'll be right back. I'm just popping down to the shops. He shuts the door softly behind him. The neighbours have complained before about door slamming. He steps out onto their quiet road in Colindale and begins walking. It is Agatha who taught him this art of leaving your house to go nowhere pacing through the neighbourhood until your mind is clear. He walks down the road and into the park, the wide greenery soothing him, even in the winter chill. Afternoon, he says to Thomas, whose backyard he can see into from his window, a prim strip of England with a cherry tree and a lawn, a reproach to their own overgrown patch. Afternoon, Nam. How are the boys? They're fine, thank you. Agatha told me you're off to Nigeria for Christmas. Lucky you. Some sunshine. Yeah, we're all looking forward to it. Well, have a good trip and bring back the weather with you. He does not know which is worse. To think of Nigeria as one giant disease to be vaccinated against. Or the land of perpetual sunshine with happy, simple, half-clothed natives. He wants his sons to know Oguta, his ancestral village, as he knew it. Or perhaps not exactly as he knew it. 
Not the pressure of a bucket on his head, his neck perpetually cramped from being the family water carrier, nor the terror of not knowing if Papa would have enough money this month for school fees or textbooks or food. He had told Agatha these stories when they were courting, a rags-to-riches tale that cast him as a hero. Yet it had not all been suffering. Oguta in December, with the haze of dust shrouding it, the village full of returnees who had come home for Christmas, food and welcome in every house, no guest turned away. This is what he wants his sons to know. He wants them to eat roast corn straight from the fire and mix the hot kernels in their mouths with fresh coconut. He wants them to walk around his village, this European thing his wife has taught him, and he will point out the landmarks of his childhood, the tree under which his umbilical cord is buried, the field where he threw Amalinze on his back in a wrestling match. He wants to take them to the village square on Boxing Day. At first they may be afraid of the masquerades, which dance in a flurry of raffia and wood before breaking out in a mad dash as their spectators, whips flailing, it is all horseplay, though. The pain from the lash is soon forgotten, and the crowd draws near again. He wants to show them the ant holes that transport the masquerades from the spirit world to the world of the living. At night, they return home through these holes, bearing with them the cash from their day's labour. Times are hard in Oguta, his relatives who have remained tell him, for spirits and flesh and blood alike. Maybe he is endangering them. These beautiful, mixed-race children of his, beside whom he looks like a bushman. It is not only bacteria they have to fear. There is kidnapping as well. Who would not see their fair skins and think their father was a rich man? He has walked himself back to his front door. They are having lunch in silence when he returns. He washes his hands and joins his family. You can stay. What? You can stay in England, you and the boys. What about the tickets? I'll call the airline tomorrow. There is no way I'm staying here, Dad, after all these injections. You will do as your mother and I tell you. Mum? They want to go. You mean your mum hasn't put you off? No way! I want to see the lions and zebras and monkeys. We don't have lions in Oguta. Maybe monkeys. What will we eat on Christmas Day? Is that turkey? No, but there's goat meat. Your grandma will fry you some. Dad, how come you don't have to take the injections? Is it because you're from Nigeria and we're not? No, we're all Nigerians. Me, you, Kene, Tobena and your mum. I just couldn't come with you today. I'm taking mine tomorrow. You've been listening to Shadi's World Short Story Podcast. Next week, we'll be bringing you a story by Chuma Nwokolo. If you like what you heard today, then please share with your friends and family and everyone you know. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Twitter at um, imagine underscore this. You can also find Shadow's World Short Story Podcast on Facebook. So please give us a thumbs up on there. Um, and this is me, Shade Adinero, signing off. Till next time. Later, peeps. We are sharing the voice of Africans. Faith.